Welcome back to the Content That Grows podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Justin Simon. Uh, Justin consults, advises, and executes content distribution and repurposing strategies for growing SaaS companies and founders. He is the host of the Distribution First podcast and creator of the Content Repurposing Roadmap. Uh, and I've uh, had the chance to know Justin for, uh, I don't know, maybe two, going on two years now. So excited to sit down and, and chat through some of the stuff today. Uh, so glad to have you with us today, Justin. Awesome, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Uh, definitely super exciting to chat and uh, excited to get to it. Yeah. So today we'll be chatting about you know content distribution and repurposing. Uh, I think there's a lot of folks uh, in in the SaaS world, in the tech world, where you mentioned content distribution, content uh, repurposing. Um, Justin's quite likely the first person that comes to mind for them. So uh, excited to, to have him to chat through some of the stuff. And Justin, I, I think um, really to start would just be helpful to kind of understand like what was like the moment or trigger for you uh, that really made you kind of lean in into heavy, like a heavy emphasis on content distribution and, and content repurposing. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing for me was when I changed jobs. I went from a uh, a company where I was running content and had a had a whole content team of probably close to ten people just on the content team, and then moved to a high growth SaaS startup where we had a marketing team and I was marketer number three. And so mm-hmm. you know our whole marketing team was a third of what my content team was. And just coming in, trying to get my feet set, trying to like figure out how to run an effective content strategy with less people, less resource, how to do that, what are the best ways. And that's really through kind of sheer brute force, but also necessity came in the idea of like repurposing distribution and just saying, okay, if we, I can't manage the current workload that you all were handling because it was insane. Like, let's cut mm-hmm. back on some of that, but spread it out and figure out how, you know, what what's the ROI on these things. A lot of those things triggered back in my head even years ago, just in terms of like, man, we're creating a lot of content. What's the ROI, especially if it isn't ranking on Google? Like, you know, that was the way of measuring content success for years was right. keywords, uh, you, you know, impression or not impressions, but like sessions up and to the right growing over time. Yeah. And so when you cr- come into a, a high growth s- startup, especially where SEO isn't maybe the play or that, you know, they're still trying to figure out what, uh, what things they're trying to go after, you know, how, how do you still do content successfully? And so that's where we really leaned on to things like social and email and, and building those things out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that that's, you know, one of the good things um, having, especially on the consulting side, having worked with both um, funded companies and bootstrapped companies is um, the bootstrapped companies tend to not lose that sense of like scrappiness and, you know, find a way and, uh, you know, that like bandwidth constraints sort of force some creativity and, and whatnot. And so, and that can certainly exist in, in funded companies too. But I think, um, I, you know, I think that makes sense of this kind of where that came from for you was, uh, sort of that shift in the staff and the size, but wanting to have the, the big impact. So, um, 
what what were some of the things you see you mentioned social email uh but like what what exactly were what you start doing first um to really kind of test it out and and gain some traction yeah literally the first thing i did when uh when i joined was i started looking at the sort of twofold new content that was being created you know within the last month or so that i got there because that that was stuff that was top of mind for them but then also looking back at the the top performing content over you know the last year or so and so Mm -hmm. taking those two buckets and then literally just started repurposing that content for linkedin and pulling out the best pieces and trying to create native versions of that content so if if we had different things on different topics rather than trying to just throw a link out there and get people to click because they had already had a, a decent following on linkedin and so we kind of knew that was where we were going to be at from the social side and just yeah. figured out how to take that content and get it back out in front of that audience. Because again, like it didn't take long to look through a GA, <laughs> you know, a graph and figure out like, Oh, nobody's hitting this content through search. You know, you throw it into some rush or to HA. Oh no, nobody's uh, Googling these things. And so these are ideas we need to get out into the, to the marketplace and so that was literally the first thing i did i opened up a google doc anybody who who kind of follows what i have i call them distribution docs but they're so simple but it's just like literally one one screen has the blog content another screen has a distribution doc set up and i just started creating that content going back and forth and then working with our social manager to get that stuff scheduled out and then from there learning seeing what's working what's not and then building building it up from there yep yeah that's great and it's um you know, you're, you mentioned a couple of times that like there, there's not the organic traffic there and you need to, um, to do something. But I think, you know, we, I think there's a lot of value in doing it, even if you do have a ton of organic traffic, uh, you know, and one is just the diversity of channels and you're hitting people at a different context and different state. And uh, ultimately, like, even if it is repurposing or, you know, copy and pasting, and 80% of it's the same from part of a blog post. Like it's still unique content, um, you know, if you're tailoring it to the platforms. And so um, that's what we're always trying to tell clients and really everyone is like organic search is a distribution channel. You know, it's not like the thing and then everything else is sort of like secondary. Like it's it's a distribution channel and you have a lot of opportunity to build in some of the other ones. Yeah, I feel the same way, Nate. It's it's and it's something that really dawned on me in the last couple of years too. Is because for me and maybe traditionally for a lot of content folks in B two B, SEO was the distribution channel, uh, yeah. and then it was like you know maybe we did some social media on the side, but it wasn't really like anything we were really driving, you know traffic to our traffic driver was really seo and trying to do that so i think that is a shift and that was definitely a shift in my mind and, and probably a shift in a lot of people's mind too is oh it's just in the list of other distribution it might be more effective for certain things but it's just mm-hmm. in the list of the the other distribution channels yep absolutely uh so you know i think a lot of people uh, at this point probably understand and even if they're just hearing about it right now as we're talking about it it's a fairly easy concept to grasp at a high level, you know, like distributing your content, repurposing it, taking, you know, pieces and reformulating it for, for other channels. But, 
Uh, what would you say are some of the like, biggest mistakes that you see marketers make around the actual execution of this? See both with prospects that I talk to or you know, just people uh, that, I, that I work with is trying, even if they're not necessarily trying to do all the channels, there's this temptation to want to do a bunch of distrib- like distribution means five things or 10 things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the biggest hang up there is in order to do distribution well, you have to know the distribution channels that you're using well. <laughs> Yeah. And it sounds like such a duh like thing to say, but if you want to succeed at Twitter, you have to put in the work on Twitter to know what works, what doesn't, how, you know, what your audience likes, what it's it's a grind. It can be a yeah. uh, a huge undertaking to try to make those things work. Simply posting on any given channel is it isn't going to cut it anymore. And, and having an, and I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I know companies who have handed literally today in 2023, handing social media off to an intern or handing it mm-hmm. off to, you know, and it's like that, that's fine. But those are the, those are the results you're going to have, you know, you're, you're going to yeah. have intern quality results on social yeah. when you could really build a system that, takes advantage of those channels. And so, yeah, I think that's the, that's one of the biggest mistakes is just understanding the channels and being focused and, and not trying to spread yourself too thin. Yeah. Uh, it's great advice. How do you feel then about some of the tools that are like, you know, upload this one video or upload one thing and it like automatically repurposes, cuts it and like posts it to like 10 or 15 different channels. Where does that that sit for you? (laughs) I mean, for the posting part, I'd be terrified of. uh, If it was just blindly like grabbing content and throwing, that sounds awful to me. Um, I'm getting more comfortable with using tools to get me 60 to 80% there. Um, You know, I think that's one of the things that companies are are wanting to do and individuals are wanting to do is speed up the process of repurposing. And if you have something that's really good and solid, I ha- I have zero problems with that. That makes a ton of sense to be able to, you know, chunk out the the yep. main ideas and those type of things. But I think we'll see uh you know where this goes, but I still think at the end of the day social media is social and there is you know, there is this sort of dynamic that makes it run. I mean, certainly a platform like LinkedIn in particular, which is a networking platform, you have to, you have to be active and get like engage and comment and like there's a there's an intrinsic value to being a part- a participant in these channels, a little less yeah. so on something like YouTube or or TikTok or something like that. But even so, you still need to know the nuance of the channel and understand what that what works and what doesn't. And if you're just posting and you're not actively every day in the weeds or have somebody who is, it's really hard to know what works. Like I, I was yeah. just working with a company and we were doing a, a 30 day kind of uh, initial look at uh, what's been working and what isn't on social. And just even within 30 days, you can start to figure out, Oh, okay. This theme is really interesting to our audience. We posted about it half as much, but every time we did the engagement was twice as high. So it's like, okay, that's like, that's a pretty good indicator. And again, it's, it's maybe not perfection, but it's enough to say, okay, like next month, let's, 
what happens if we double up our content on this particular theme that we were talking mm -hmm. about? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would agree that there's, uh, I think that some of those tools are good for execution efficiency. Um, but it, like you said, it sort of still comes down to like making sure you're good with what's going out on them and then ultimately having a presence and engagement and everything else on those channels. So like just because it can push publish to 15 or 10 channels in one click doesn't mean that you should. Um, but if you are prepared and staffed and capable of, of engaging there and you know the nuances, then by all means. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's great. Any other mistakes? I know you kind of mentioned the the main one, but any anything else that you see that you would want to note? Yeah, I I mean I I think the main mistakes are I mean one of them honestly like with repurposing that I see is people just don't do it. <laughs> they know they should like distribute and repurpose their content, and I I have heard it so many times. It'd be funny to hear if you've heard this too, but it's like it feels like it's cheating or it feels like it's, uh, you know, like cheating in a bad way. Not like, oh, I got this cheat code, but like, oh, it feels like I'm cheating. I'm, you know, uh, the person next to me's desk on their paper. It's like, no, like you created this content. Hopefully it's really good. Like you're actually doing your audience a disservice by not getting that back out there in front of them. And uh, I mean, part, another myth with that is like repurposing is just copy and paste or it's super easy. Like repurposing and distributing your content does take effort sometimes maybe just as much effort uh in some ways depending as what you're doing but what i have found is that by repurposing either the same content themes the same even the same content it takes away some of the mental strain to feel like you constantly have to be coming up with the new angle and the new ideas yes. and the new things and like that alone is enough to just like ah i can take a breath and i can like prepare and understand and honestly when you know how to like i always say like put on those x-ray vision goggles and see all the things that can come up can come off those pieces of content it's kind of exciting to say like oh man if we're able to create this one really awesome thing we could get you know a, a half a year's worth of really good things to keep that coming up over and over again absolutely yep no i, I think um i hadn't heard anyone refer to it as cheating but i i think the some of the commentary that I've heard is definitely around like, you know, isn't my audience going to notice yeah. if I'm, you know, publishing, publishing the same thing repeatedly. And, you know, I personally tested that a little bit and in just like, you know, three, four weeks apart, publishing this exact same post mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Um, and then kind of looking through and there was definitely, uh, I don't know what it was, but you know, a, the overwhelming majority of like likes or comments on the posts were different people. Um, and so maybe some of the people that engaged the first time saw it again. Um, but like, you know, I pretty much on LinkedIn every single day and I don't know that I would really even notice, you know, from your content or anything that you actually posted the exact same thing verbatim. Um, you know, like it's just, there's just way too much out there. Um, but the other thing that, that I mentioned sometimes is like, uh, I don't personally, you know, want to be like a touring keynote speaker or, you know, like speaking at conferences all the time and stuff. Um, but like people that do that, like they typically deliver the same talk at every conference for like a whole year. And that's part of why they're so dang good at it is like that it's like 
you know, a, a play. Like they know their lines, they know their like where they're moving on stage and, you know, all that stuff and, you know, pause for laughter, you know, all that, like it's, it's real. They have it down pat and they deliver it. And, you know, the reality is that you may have people at multiple conferences that you're speaking at and it's fine. They either attend it twice because they liked it a lot or they'll see, Oh, it looks like the one I already saw before and they'll go somewhere else because you're often, you know, at a conference trying to decide between multiple things anyway. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of examples to to prove that like it's not cheating, it's not gonna be you're not gonna get outed like someone's gonna like call you out for that, you know. So I think there's, there's I have a ton seen, of I've seen one person in the wild get called out and it was so lame. It was so yeah. so lame. Like I felt wor I felt worse uh for the person who was like you went on November fourth and you already <laughs> posted this. Like what and it was like Man, that is so, so like uh, it is yeah. so it's so much more on that person in the audience than it than it is uh, on the person posting it. And and I agree. I I I I see the same thing and I say the same same thing a lot. Like consistency matters. Like there there's a reason why like you said at the beginning like for good or bad, like there's a reason why my name probably comes up one, one of the top 2 or 3 people when you talk about content repurposing and distribution cuz I talk about it all the time and I talk about the different aspects of it. And, um, you know, that, that is an opportunity for anybody and for any company to do the same thing. Like (laughs) I can guarantee you because I can show you what I did. Uh, it it was not rocket science. It was like consistency, staying on message, having something worth saying, like all those things over and over again. And, uh, if because the other thing I think with that is people are scared that the audience will get bored, the audience will leave, um, right? You know they'll unsubscribe. And to be fair, that will happen, and that happens to me all the time. People unsubscribe from my email list every day. People probably unsubscribe or, or mute or hide me on socials every day. I wouldn't. It would not surprise me at all. But that's yeah. okay because those people are no longer interested in what I have to say. And for every one of those, hopefully there's five, 10, 15, 20 more new ones that are coming on. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Um, so in your opinion, kind of shift gears a little bit, like what do you, what would you say is the biggest value proposition regarding companies like repurposing their content? I think at the end of the day, like, it's probably a, just a pure dollars and cents ROI, uh, time and money for both it, it yeah. is a, is a really, uh, a really important thing. I think also like, especially for companies who are doing those big quarterly or yearly pieces of content to have a strategy to not just release it in April and then talk about it again next April, but yeah. to have a strategy that involves, taking that piece of content and building on it and, and building it up throughout the year uh, is super important because I mean, there are a lot, there's a lot of time, money and effort that goes to sit on an archive. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good way of putting it. I think there's, um, yeah, I, don't, I was going to try to make an analogy, but I'll stop trying to do that on the spot. Uh, the, you know, I think that there's, you know, for me, the, the real aha moment was a bit, again, of a, a bandwidth constraint. Um, so we just, it, you know, it was a couple, 
I don't know, maybe like 18 months ago or so, we were just at a point where we were just really like with our team size and client load, like we were pretty, pretty full. And so like we weren't really creating new content. And I think we maybe had 10 posts on our blog. It was very, very early. Um, And I wanted to just keep coming up with things to share on LinkedIn and like and educate and so I just kept kind of going back to some of those posts that I'd written or someone else and would just kind of like read through and you realize like, you know, after doing that over and over and sort of being forced to go back to the well, because, you know, you're not creating anything new, um, that you start to realize how much life you can still get out of that post. That's not just like, um, you know, resharing the entire post, but you know, that one image, works well, do a single image post with some text. And then there's another one, then you can do carousel and you can do a roundup of the high level points and you can go deep on another point. And like, uh, you know, not obviously not telling you anything you don't know, but you know, for me, it was just, that's where it really kind of became like, wow, there's a ton here. Um, that otherwise just isn't getting seen, you know, other than some of the organic traffic that we're getting. Um, but you know, we're not a huge brand and there's not people just choosing to come to our site to explore and stuff, you know? So, um, that, that for me was, was really big realization. And then, you know, from that, we also just saw like, you know, continued growth of our profiles and therefore, you know, more interest in our services and leads and all that, um, entirely from content that had already been written and we weren't creating any new uh, blog content at the time and just creating social content from it. So, um, I do agree. I think there's just a ton of, of opportunity that any company can have. And especially when you come into a company that's got, you know, maybe a, a thousand blog posts and a bunch of, you know, recorded webinars and eBooks and stuff. And you're like, like we could not create anything new for a really long time and just distribute or just be, you know, ramping that up and doing both at the same time, if you have bandwidth, then they just go that much faster. But it's uh, so a lot of a lot of opportunity sitting in the archive, like you said. Yeah, and and sometimes it's those it's those things that are so like blatant that you should be doing more with that you're not. Uh, you know, like one one client I, w- I was working with, they had um, a, a series where they were, you know, they had it was a multiple years old at, at that point and but people who had watched it converted at a significantly higher percentage than people who hadn't so it was like yeah. oh okay let's take all this really good information that is in this series that you have and let's repurpose it and get it back out in front of the audience to where they don't have to just stumble upon it one day and and yeah be able to get it and so being able to do stuff like that is is really good and and being able to take those things and Again, it's not. It, it's funny uh, how much you you can get out of the things that are, you know, the ten blog posts that are sitting on your website or something like that. Because, like you said, your audience, unless you're unless you're showing up in Google and showing high in Google, your audience isn't going to be able to see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to share this uh, um, random. I guess kind of story real quick, but it feels very related. Um, prior to Sprout, I worked for like a you know, SEO digital agency 
and I had this client that was a plastics company and we were basically building a new website for them and then like, um, you know, some other stuff. And I was meeting with them basically like, how are we going to get all the content for all the product pages? Like you have hundreds of products and whatever. And then they were very much like, there's no way we're going to write all of that, you know, for the website. Like we don't have that. We don't have all the content. And I don't remember how, but somehow through the conversation, we found out that they had a spec, they call it like a spec sheet or something like that for sales. And it was literally a 294 page PDF with one page for every product that had like the name, the specs, an image, like all the dimensions, colors, like all this stuff. And I was like, this is like each one of these is like a web page, you know, like it's, it's all right here. You have all this content. Um, but like to them, they didn't even like think of it that way. It was like, Oh, we have to create new content for the website, you know? And so, um, I think that, you know, like you're, you're saying people can just get so close to what they're doing and what they have that they can't really see that there is the opportunity to do that. So, um, last question real quick on this topic and then we'll kind of jump into the, the final four. Um, so we talked a bit about like social media and I think that's one that a lot of folks understand and probably default to, but, uh, any other distribution channels outside of social media that you think like for SaaS companies that they just aren't using it enough or like might not even realize that it's a good one for additional content distribution. I think, uh, we'll talk about this maybe at the final four, but I, uh, in some way, shape or form, but I think, it's funny. Funny enough, I think email newsletters are having kind of a comeback, uh, you know, with the yeah. rise of, you know, Substack and, you know, all the all these different platforms to be able to do that creator economy, all these things where you can get information, education, entertainment delivered directly into your inbox from whoever you want. I think so. I think it's underrated. I also think from a from a B2B perspective, it's probably underrated. Um and how you should what and how you should actually provide value within that channel and not just be a constant drip of um you know product information or here's our blog roundup or um uh, you know stuff like that but actually providing something unique and interesting and and helping your audience every single week and giving them some incentive to be able to uh actually want to sign up versus Hey, sign up for our newsletter. We promise we'll like wink, wink, nudge. We promise we'll give you uh, good value uh, yeah. if, if you give us your email. And so, I think that it's underrated because I think if you can actually do that in a way that is useful and beneficial, it kind of can start to to tear down some of the walls that um, uh, have been left behind from like gating content and things like that. So, if you're just providing mm -hmm. value and, and getting people who are super interested in what you have to offer and 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 what you're interested in building that list is, is a better way to do that versus like a little bit of the more historical bait and switchy type, uh, type email list building. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's great. And I would agree that there's definitely a, an increase in that, you know, the, I mean, podcasts too, like podcasts mm -hmm. were a thing and then very out of style for many years. And then, uh, I think came back. And so, yeah, I, I do feel like that's just the the market dynamic shift um, in people wanting to have sort of their own 
platform of podcast or newsletter or both that allow them to kind of communicate that. And then it's just very valuable for people. So, um, and I think you just a real quick dig in on that a little bit more though. I think I would love to have you maybe expand on, so you mentioned like, it's not just a place to like, just dump a bunch of links to your other content or something like that. And so, uh, to maybe kind of lead it and then you can refine what I'm saying or, or, or add to it. Um, but what you were saying before is, is the key is like, it's not well, who's going to, what are we going to come up with? What are we going to write in the newsletter? It's all the other content we're already creating, whether that's blog content or social content or something else, seeing where there's value, uh, what's resonating and then taking that as a starting point, but then tailoring it, you know, to like writing it to be, to fit the channel and, and be an effective newsletter, but it's not starting from square one, figuring out what the heck you're going to write about. You already kind of know what's working and, and kind of building from that. So is that a fair assessment of, of what you would do there? Yeah, absolutely. I think for, if you're going to do a newsletter, social, uh, any, any, any distribution channel, I, I, I mean, it's the name of my podcast, like you mentioned. It's the sort of I, the framework that I use to build that, all this stuff out is distribution first. It's a distribution first framework where you essentially reverse engineer everything off of distribution. And mm-hmm. so by knowing you want to have an email newsletter as a core part of your distribution, when you go to record your podcast or write your blog post or or do whatever that thing is, Newsletters should be a default part of your planning process because you know yeah. it's part of your distribution strategy. And so uh, for me, like when I outline a podcast episode, I'm already thinking ahead as I'm outlining. I haven't hit, hit record yet. I'm already thinking about what section in here or what's interesting in here that, that could go in the newsletter. And yeah. so I'm trying to like think that far ahead. So then after I've recorded or after I have a guest, and even if it pivots, I can have an idea to say, oh yeah, I wanted to talk about this. These are those three, you know, those three things we wanted to touch on. I can almost have the outline for the newsletter written out of the outline that comes out of the podcast. And so that's like yeah. where the next level of like repurposing and distribution for me comes in is it's not, it's not a, uh, an ad hoc sort of like, oh, let's, look back it's a proactive looking forward as well yeah yeah that's great um awesome so yeah let's shift real quick into the the final four same questions we ask every guest that comes on uh first one being what's a recent success or learning you'd like to share yeah i think uh we touched on a little bit but for me it's that idea of being able to create platform native content it means you have to be uh knowledgeable on the platform. So if somebody's coming to you and saying, Hey, we need to explore X, Y, Z channel, that's fine to do that, but make sure you're actually going to be able to put in the time and effort or hire somebody, uh, to put the time and effort in to be able to know that just having a social media person, I think is going to maybe shift and evolve over the next few years because, Mm having somebody do YouTube is completely different than Twitter, which is completely different than LinkedIn. So I think there's just more nuance in that and, and knowing those channels. Yep. Uh, for your company, what role does content play in the overall strategy? Yeah. For, for me, it is the entire strategy. Uh, it's 
literally the, my entire marketing engine. And again, for me, I'm just I'm doing consulting, I'm doing advising, and and some execution. So I don't need a giant uh, uh, arsenal of clients that I'm working with at any given time. But for me, it really does drive interest. Uh, it drives engagement, like building the podcast, writing the newsletter, being on LinkedIn every day. Those things really do drive interest in me. I'm sure you see the same thing like you had mentioned um, yep. for 10 speed. And so it's funny because moving away from working at at a company and in a company, I can see all the things that are working that aren't easily measurable, like that DM from somebody who said, listen to the show, let's have a conversation or, you know, mm -hmm. just these different things that come up um, that, that aren't uh, tracked in a dashboard necessarily. And so I think being able to see those things run effectively for my company has been honestly key to then help the companies that I'm working with as well and see, okay, let's, let's re add those back into, into these, uh, clients and their companies and be able to help them see the same growth and be able to understand the mindset that can help them get there. Yep. How does your company define success for you and your team, <laughs> which is you, which um, is me. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. How, you know, you can answer it your way or, you know, if there's some clients you want to kind of talk how they, you know, measure and define success. Um, yeah, it's it's different. Uh, it's different depending on the client. Because for honestly, for some people, it's like success equals getting a consistent system that they can execute on and not stress out. <laughs> you know, that right. that is success for some of them. Others are are more advanced, and they uh, you know want a system that is going to be able to you know get them in front of their audience, get more out of the content they're doing, be able to show um, kind of like that repurposing multiplier to be able to see what are, okay, we, if we didn't repurpose this content, we are getting X. Now that we've repurposed it, we're seeing Y and being able to track all those things. So just getting more, um, whether that's impressions, views, watch time, all that stuff, more bang for the content buck uh, out of what they're creating. And some people it's, you know, hey, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like, can we pay the bills? Are we making more money? Are we getting more clients? Are we getting more leads? Is this working? Yep. Is this not? At the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. Yep. All right. And last one, uh, what's your least favorite marketing conversation happening on social channels right now and why? I thought about it and it was going <laughs> to... I should just say AI because it's everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> if I have to hear another AI conversation, I'm going to go crazy. Um, yep. Just because... It feels like everybody, you know, it, it's just one of those things that that caught on and is catching on and is trendy, and so everybody wants to talk about it. I will say that I think, in general, anytime anybody says anything's dead, I kind of cringe a little bit, uh, sure. because for the most part, things don't die. Uh, you know, the classic Mark Twain uh, quote: uh, "You know, history doesn't." repeat itself but it often rhymes i love that because i think it's so true like a lot of like email like we talked about was a great example uh podcast yeah. like these things that sort of uh they rise up they fade away and then they rise up again or it rises up on a different platform or it you know the, these things just are cyclical and history does tend to to rhyme with itself and so 
For me, yeah. uh, I, I would say the the my least favorite marketing conversation right now is AI and how uh, you know all, all the all the things that that's going to happen. I think there's a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of pontificating on what could happen, and at, to be honest, we just don't know. And so I think like freaking out or worrying about it at this point is uh, more stressful than it probably needs to be. Yep. 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 I'm with you. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, well, this has been awesome. Um, before we kind of wrap up anything else, you know, on the topic of content distribution, content repurposing that we didn't cover that you'd like to speak to. Uh, I would just say start small and start, start doing it. Like it's not difficult. It's not hard. Pick a, pick a, channel that you want to start repurposing on pick a couple themes go go look at your top content figure out what you want to be able to repurpose that in into some different formats and just start and i think to your point like when you're forced to start and you're forced to figure out how to do some of those things you know for me one of the things i did when i was at techsmith was we took a 10-week sprint where we didn't create anything new as a team and we said we're only going to take our stuff and we're going to update our old blog post we're going to do you know repurpose some of the other things and it was amazing to see the progress we made because we, you know, did things like added CTAs to our blogs and updated content, improved the rankings, worked with social yep. to understand what the, you know, what our top content even was. Like all of those things that can make uh, really big impacts. And so I would just say, don't be afraid to start. Start small and, and look at look at what's working now and, and just try to do more of that. Yep. Love that. All right, and then uh, you have your podcast, your course, and then obviously social channels. Can you uh, just quickly tell everyone kind of where to find you and, and some of your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I my my main channel is LinkedIn. I'm there every day. You can find me if you search Justin Simon. I'm sure I'll show up. Uh, the podcast is Distribution First, and uh, I do have a course all on content repurposing. It's called Content Repurposing Roadmap. You can find that. And then if anybody's interested in working with me, my website is justinsimon.co, but yeah, that that's the rundown. You can you can come hang out or uh, listen to the podcast, and I'm happy to jam on this stuff. Yeah, awesome. And for anything else uh, for Ten Speed, visit tenspeed.io/podcast. You can find all previous episodes there, and uh, be sure to like and subscribe. So that will go ahead and wrap up. Thanks so much, Justin, for for coming on and chatting about this today. Awesome. Thanks, Nate.